Welcome to Hockey Unfiltered, the second episode. We weren't planning to do it for a while, but obviously some breaking news led us to do an episode today. I am forever the sidekick, Dylan Waugh. I'm here with Ken Campbell, and we are going to get to the big news of the day, the World Juniors, talk about the Olympics, talk about the NHL, all of the dominoes of repercussions that are happening from this. So stick around and uh, hopefully answer all your questions. So before we get started, uh, we should definitely mention that we are socially distanced today. So you might notice that the the cameras and everything aren't quite as well set up. We're Bear with us as we grow to serve you, but uh, we're about 12 feet apart and the doors are open in the studio. So we're all good. Ken, how are you? Well, I've been better, Dylan. I've been better. Hockey, really? hockey hasn't been very, very good to me or anyone else in the last little while. And uh, that's why we're here. Yeah. I mean, we were all set to podcast on January 1st after the uh, after the, the, the preliminary round of the World Juniors going into the quarterfinal games. We were going to do our big podcast then, and yeah. it was all great. And I was sitting at home today looking forward to watching games. And, yeah. and now here we are. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's important for us to – to weigh in on, on some of the things that are going on, you know, with just some terrible things that are happening that, that, that this pandemic is just, and, and I mentioned it in one of the blogs that I recently wrote. I mean, you know, lockouts aside, which the NHL brought on completely themselves. I don't think hockey's been in this kind of a crisis since world war two. Yeah. And I, I really don't like, I, I can't think of anything else that has brought hockey to its knees more than this has. And and when I say hockey, I don't mean just the NHL. I mean, you know, the, you know, obviously the World Juniors being canceled, right? The World uh, Women's Under 18s. Yeah. You know, where is everything going? The Olympics. I I, I just have to think that at some point, you know, the precedent's already been set. Tokyo, Tokyo took a year to get things together, and yeah. and then they and they did it in in twenty twenty, whatever. Yeah. Twenty twenty one instead of twenty twenty. Um. I I I got to think that at some point you know, they've got to be thinking that maybe it's not the best thing to hold an Olympics now and which would be great yeah. for the NHL yeah. and for their players and, and, and for everyone, because then they would be able to go next year yeah. conceivably, unless, I mean, a year ago we all thought we were going to be beyond this by now and we're not. So, yeah. Um, you know, to that point, I mean, I'm not uh, a doctor or an epidemiologist by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, Moderna did say that the mRNA type vaccine platform was very adaptable and could be presumably adapted to the Omicron variant early in 2022. So, you know, I, the idea when they postponed Tokyo and it didn't actually have to be postponed all that long, mm -hmm. it, it, that seems very possible when you consider the fact that I think that Tokyo happened in no small part because of the mass rollout of vaccines. Yeah. And, and two, I think, you know, I mean, we haven't seen the worst of Omicron yet either. Right. No. Like from what I've been able to gather and I've been, I, I, I talk regularly with an epidemiologist uh, about these things because he, he kind of helps me, helps guide me through a lot of the obstacles here and, and a lot of the things that I don't really know anything about, but you know, I mean, the numbers are probably going to grow in January and February and the, and the Olympics are right in that wheelhouse. Right. Yeah. So you're going to be right in the thick of, it's it, the, worst of it. the worst of it there. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you're testing every day, 
you're going to keep coming up with positives. And, and, you know, right now I've been told that the positivity rate in tests in Ontario is anywhere between 20 and 25%. I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So either you, (laughs) you stop testing people and you whistle in the dark and hope everything turns out. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Or if you keep testing people, you're just going to keep, the numbers are going to keep going up and, and that's not good, you know? So, ah, man, this sucks. The idea of not testing has come up again and again because the NFL, I think, has uh, is is laxed their testing protocols and they're they're almost like it doesn't (laughs) exist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea of not testing has come up again and again. But I mean, it's just like in in WWF, the old wrestling wrestling federation, you know, in the 90s when they're like, we don't have a doping problem. But they, of course, (laughs) never tested for doping. Right. (laughs) Right. Looking at these guys, you're going, are you you sure you you don't have a doping problem? (laughs) (laughs) See, and and the thing is, is that, you know, I mean, if you look at it in isolation, you're looking at highly fit very healthy athletes who have been double vaxxed, right? Yeah. So when you look at it in that context, it's like, well, okay, so they get the sniffles or they, some of them don't even exhibit any symptoms at all. Right. So what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is we don't live in a vacuum, yeah. right? You know, I mean, these people have to go home to children and to wives and, and families and, and, and to parents and grandparents, and they've got to be out in the community. So, I mean, we don't live in a vacuum, so we have to kind of deal with this and maybe take our lumps. And I, like, I get the NHL trying to, to get in as many games as they can. I get the, I get the world juniors trying to, you know, trying against hoping against hope that they could maybe make this, pull this off and get it to the finish line. I, I get that. Um, but there's a reality to deal with too. Going back to the world juniors for a second, uh, I wanted to talk about what probably could have been done to prevent this. Yeah. First of all, I thought it was bonkers. Like I, I, I just assumed like maybe I'm just a moron here. Oh, you are. <laughs> well, okay. Not for this reason. That that notwithstanding, <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed that uh, that they were in a bubble. Yeah. I couldn't believe yeah. what I was reading today. Right. About the anecdotes taking place in the uh, in the in the hotels. I I assumed that they were in a bubble. How could they have thought, hey, let's do this with the most you know, a difficult variant we've dealt with so far. And essentially, I mean, roll it back to day one, nobody's vaccinated, right? right? Other than the managing symptoms, roll that back to day one. This is not preventing you from getting Omicron, which is why we're here across the room from each other. Right. And I can't believe that they, that they did this without, without considering a bubble situation. Okay. So what I would say to that is, first of all, um, when they were planning this, uh, nobody even knew what Omicron was, right? Right. Uh, I mean, the, it, it, what, like, what, we've become cognizant of Omicron, what, in the last six weeks? Yeah. You know, so, so I'm, I'm going to give them that. I'm, 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 I'm trying not to be too um, critical here, which is something that I usually don't do, but <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying not to be too critical here, not to be too hard on, on the organizers, Hockey Canada and the IHF, because when they were planning this, you know, th- like three days before the tournament started, they thought they were gonna they were gonna have full 
capacity. full houses yeah, and yeah. everybody was going to be able to eat their popcorn and drink their, their beer. And they were going to make all their money doing that. And, and, and that came to a screeching halt. So when they were planning this, I think they were planning this around the Delta variant and, and what that, the, the challenges that presented and they probably thought, you know, this is probably good enough. I know that, like, I was talking to the father of one of the Canadian players last night, and he said, you know, they're, like, they, the parents haven't seen their kids. Like, yeah. they, they weren't able to see their kids. Um, they were taking separate elevators. Uh, yeah. They were on their own floors. They weren't going anywhere. You know, they were basically isolating on their own floors and eating and everything, so they weren't out and about among the hotel. But, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of people there, so it, it could happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm going to give them a, I'm going to give them a bit of a pass on that one. But to me, the way I think of it is let's say, you know, eight months ago, nine months ago, 10 months ago, uh, they came to us and said, okay, Dylan and Ken, you have to plan the world juniors. Right. I, I, I got to think that one of the first things we would have talked about was, what happens we need to have a, a bubble. No, we need to have a bubble right. regardless. Cause, yeah. cause there's so much, there's so much we don't know right now. Yeah. And we don't know if there's going to be an outbreak. We don't, we don't know where we're going. So let's be safe. Yeah. Let's be safe and do the bubble like we did last year. Right. When last year, when there were, were like very few positive cases where it didn't end up, you know, hijacking the, the entire event. So you say, you know, so the, you know, and, and that's, this is not like a bubble, like the NHL had to be in for months and months. Right. No, like you, like they showed up at the, the kids in Canada showed up at training camp, what, December 8th. Yeah. December 8th. Yeah. And you're going until what if you've been, been going until January 5th, January 6th, you would have been leaving. That's a month. That's doable. Right. That's really doable. So where I, where I do find fault is in the fact that they didn't just look at that. Even even when it was just the Delta variant and nobody even had any idea what Omicron was and were months away from finding out, I just wonder why you wouldn't have just sat there and said, let's be, let's be safe with this. Let's spend the extra money because it costs a lot more. Yeah. And, and it does. Yeah. But... I mean, it's in Canada. Hockey Canada has a lot of money. The IHF has a lot of money. This is a this is a this is a, a a an event that generates a lot of revenue. Right. So let's use that revenue because we ain't giving it to the players. <laughs> That's another little hobby horse that I have. Right. Um, but but so let's so let's let's make sure that we err on the side of caution here. And I, and that, you know, I mean, Luke Tardif of the IHF and the, and hockey Canada, it's been radio silent so far. I don't know if they have any, any, uh, anything planned in the next little while to talk about this, but that would be my first question to them is, you know, why did you not consider a bubble regardless of what, you know, what we didn't see coming? Yeah. The one thing that you could plan for in this pandemic is nothing nothing <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. right and and so it just seems like with all of the changes that have had to be made we've now had this for for two years it seems surprising to me yeah. that in two years of curveballs you know somebody hasn't just thought like look I'll tell you, it didn't take very many uh, slap shots, you know, to, to to the ribs here before goalies' chest protectors started right. coming around. Right, right. right. <laughs> Somebody turned around and said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, that might happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe I should protect Lots that of area." Times. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do. It's it does come as a surprise to me. Now you winked at something just now. I winked. 
<laughs> Roll back the clip. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you alluded to something. Oh, I see. Okay. Just recently. Right. Which was Hockey Canada has not made an official announcement that I've seen as of now in our recording. Oh, what do you mean? That it's canceled? Or yeah, they said that like no, the IH, of- the IHF has come out and said it's done. It's oh, done. Okay. They've they've said it. It's done. It's like Tiger Williams said. It's done like dinner. It's over. It's done. Right. I can see a case where they maybe try and revive it this summer. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. What do you do with? I guess you just use the same rosters. Even though some of these players will have turned twenty, I, I, yeah, I mean, oh, that'd just be terrible. I, yeah, to have. but I mean, like, even if you turn twenty between January first and January fifth, you still you can still play in the World Juniors. It's the, your age before January first of that year. So if 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 you're calling it the twenty twenty two World Juniors, then I guess you still go with guys who were twenty and and under as, as of. of and and like. You can't rebuild the team or anything like that. I, I guess you'd probably have to say, yeah, you got to go with the same rosters that you you showed up with. Yeah. For the tournament, I, I would not be surprised if they if they don't try to get this thing played this summer, yeah. because because I I really believe and and you know this epidemiologist, infectious disease specialist that I'm talking to a lot, it's his it's first of all the first thing he said was a bubble a, a tight sealed bubble was a no brainer. Yeah. No brainer. Should have done it. Can't understand why they didn't do it. Yeah. Test the living crap out of everybody for the first seven days. I think the tests you know, are actually done through the nose. Yes. <laughs> test the living snot out of everybody yeah, for yeah. the first there seven no days. There are no tests yeah, yeah. For, the, for the COVID. Uh. <laughs> and, and so you test, you test them like crazy for the first seven days. You keep them, keep them in a bubble, you know, and then, then you've got it contained and you're good, right? Yeah. So that was the first thing he said. Second thing he said was, this one is going to be the numbers are really going to spike and then they're going to go down fairly quickly. It seems that's yeah. what that's what we're expecting. Yeah. So like it wouldn't be a huge shock to see that you know that Omicron isn't isn't that prevalent by say the spring. Yeah. You know, so then you go into the summer and you're back to something where you can maybe put this back on and I I got to think there there's got to be some kind of willingness or, or need to, to, you know, to try and get this thing done. Yeah. I don't know. So before we get off the world junior talk, uh, I'm going to ask you to do something that I know you hate doing so much, which is to speculate. Mm. (laughs) And uh, I want you to speculate as to the upcoming draft, because like it's the world juniors is obviously a very important tournament when it comes to the draft. Yeah. I don't think that it makes opinions, but I think that it cements opinions. So if you're leaning towards one player, yep, yep. then it might cement that opinion towards that player. And if you, you know, or maybe it does cause you to look at somebody else, but for an actual, you know, expert, not somebody like me, I think yeah. that it, uh, you know, it cements opinions and it's important to see these players play on the big stage with the best in the world of their age group, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Do you think... If the World Juniors is canceled, like, what do you think the ramifications are of the uh, upcoming draft? I, I don't think they're huge. Um, first of all, because <laughs> they basically had no OHL season last year. 
you know, and and a and a and a bastardized version of WHL and OHL seasons last or QMJHL seasons last year, and they still managed to, you know, to pull it off. Um, from what from what I've been able to gather in the scouts that I've talked to is the World Junior is used as a scouting tool in as much as they're 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 less concerned with a bad performance than right. they are enamored with a good one. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. like if a guy comes out in his draft year or or you know and and like just blows the doors off of everybody like that's that's they put a lot of stock in that. But if a guy comes in and he's really kind of not not he's making not it happen, yeah. they're not they don't really they don't, they don't really, like, I don't think they hold that against them as much. Yeah. You know, because they've seen them play a hundred times other than yeah. the world juniors, right? Yeah. They've seen them play in, in the case of the kids in Canada, they've seen them play in major junior hockey against their, their peers, you know, hundreds of times. And in the case of Europe, they're playing against men half the time, right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't think it would have knocked Shane Wright out of number one if he hadn't had a great tournament. Right. Um, and, and I don't think it would have, you know, it would have, it would have rocketed somebody up the charts if they, if they had a really good tournament, but, but, um, you know, it's just another tool in the toolbox. And, and I think, I think scouts actually go to the world juniors more to look at, the progress that their own guys they've already drafted are making. Cause that's the, that's the vast majority of the kids playing in the tournament. Right. So you're saying you think like it's going to be less and less a 19 year old tournament as we move forward. Well, it seems to be that way because, because what's happening is, is a lot of these kids, by the time they get to this tournament, they've already played in a bunch of international tournaments, great big tournaments. You know, they, they're, they're, they're better and better coached and trained and in better shape and, more talented than they've ever been at a younger age. Yeah. So you are seeing a lot of these younger guys playing in these tournaments, right? And so maybe now it's, you know, that narrative isn't quite what it was at one time. I mean, you know, look at Canada, played two games. Their player of the game in game one was Owen Power, who yeah. was just drafted this year as an 18-year-old. Yeah. And their player of the game in game two was Connor Bedard, who's 16. Right. So, um you know, I mean, there were some 19-year-olds who were doing some really good things. Uh, you know, Cole Perfetti, one of them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mason McTavish, too. Another guy that just got drafted this year. Yeah. So, and speaking of the 19-year-olds, that's where I, I really feel for this, for the kids in this tournament. Especially the, you know, the 2002s who maybe this is their own, this was their only chance to play. Yeah. You know, and now... I think you're exactly right. Uh, I think about uh, Cole Caulfield's performance in the World Juniors last year being very um, underwhelming, to mm -hmm. say the least. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I don't. But that didn't really change anybody's opinion on him because they'd seen him put up, you know, bonkers numbers everywhere else. Mario Lemieux got benched. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Dave King benched him. Right. Of course, Dave King is a guy that you know. His favorite. His idea of a perfect game is a nothing, nothing game with nobody, <laughs> with nobody watching. Right. So yes. that's a Dave King thing, yeah, but yeah. he got benched. Right. You know, Joe Thornton didn't do much. There's yeah. a lot of guys who had as draft eligibles, you know, and, and I mean, if you want to, if you want to take it back a bit, I mean, Connor McDavid as a 16 year old had four points. You mentioned that in your writing. Connor Bedard had four points last night, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. 
Connor Bedard might go down as the uh, most goals per game of anyone played in the World Juniors. Two and a half. Yeah, two per, and a half for the two games. Yeah, but he's gonna play, and he's gonna play next year, and he's gonna get a whole whack load of them next year too. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, it was whatever. He was a he was a real treat to watch for the for the little bit that we got to watch him. So uh, let's pivot a little bit to the news that the OHL dropped today, and mm-hmm. uh, I want you to tell me how you feel about the uh, <laughs> the Logan Mayu news that dropped today. Oh, okay. Well, that's a rather open-ended question, Dylan. Thank you for leaving me hanging like that, note to dry. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 as what are as, sidekicks there for? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you will be forever known yeah. now. Yeah. Like when I go to like, if we're ever at a dinner party, which I don't think we ever will be, but we might. Yeah, I'll say this is my sidekick, Dylan. <laughs> uh, anyways. Anyways, uh, as a lot of people may have found out that uh, Logan Mayu was reinstated, or it was announced that he was reinstated today, to, and he'll play January 1st yeah. uh, in London, the London Knights game against uh, Erie, I think. Um, so, yeah, this is a real polarizing subject. And, I, and I'm like, I, like, I feel like I'm a duck, you know, paddling under paddling ferociously underwater and <laughs> trying to be, you know, composed above the water. Cause I'm, I'm just crapping my pants worried about saying something stupid here, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's such a hot button issue. It really is. And, and it's so, so supercharged and, and there's so many differing opinions here. Yeah. You know, some people think the kid got screwed and and you know the, we everybody went way overboard and there will be other people who will who will forever think that that it's a joke that he only got what he's ended up getting yeah. so and, and i get that i don't i don't have the sensibilities that a lot of other people have around this thing so I, i'm going to try my best um and i'm going to try not to screw it up so um he's he's back they said the ohl said that he was eligible to be reinstated on january 1st Right. It was an indefinite suspension. He was eligible to be reinstated January 1st, which he obviously has applied to do and has received the permission to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, did the OHL drop this at a time when there was a lot of other stuff going on? Like a lot of people compared this to like the Friday at 5 p.m. news drop, yeah. hoping to slide under the radar. Not sure this one does. I, I'm not sure you could drop this news anytime and have it slide under the radar. Yeah. Um, people are going to be talking about it and they're going to, they're going to have a lot of opinions about it personally. The kid did what he did. It was a heinous thing. But I think since then, since that time, mm-hmm. you could argue that he's comported himself in a, in a pretty good way. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, He's been rightly dragged through the court of public opinion, yeah. as he should have been. Yeah. He's apologized. He asked not to be drafted. Yeah. He's done the work, so we're told. Yeah. And I have no reason to believe he hasn't. Yeah. How long, I guess the question then is, how long does someone have to pay for something like that? You know, how long? Yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that. From my perspective, 26 games and what he's gone through sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. I appreciate that other people 
might think that's outrageously soft mm-hmm. and that he should have to pay a, hard, a far bigger price. But he did, but let's remember, he didn't ask to be drafted. Yeah. In fact, he asked not to be drafted. Yeah. You know, so like part of me wants to kind of say, well, you know what? The, if you want to be angry that this, you know, maybe not direct your anger so much at Logan Mayu, but then you come back and say, well, yeah, you do because he actually did it yeah. and he did this, this terrible thing. Yeah. And I get that. But I guess the question is, is what's your tolerance level for having someone who's done something like that and shown the contrition and paid a price, whether it's a big enough price or too big or too small or just right, is probably a matter of perspective. I'm, like I said, I think it's time. Yeah. I think he's done He's done the work. He's sat out. He couldn't go to Canadians training camp this year or their rookie camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. And I, and I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that that's not construed into something that means that I'm, I, you know, condone what he did or I want to be soft on what he did or I'm out of touch or whatever. Um, that's where I'm coming from. And it's from a, it's from a place of good intention. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my story. I think situations like this essentially uh they they test our metal in terms of what we believe and 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 the trouble with any conversation about this is that it reaches into a far far more significant topic like from the very basics of it it is do you believe in a reformative or a punitive justice system mm-hmm. and so for myself i'm strongly on the side of reformative justice system. But the trouble with being on the side of reformative justice system is that what do you then do? And I'm not comparing him to Logan Mayu. This is not, they're, they're apples and oranges. But what do you do with the Paul Bernardos? You know, that by all accounts cannot be reformed. Right. And so right. what happens here is, uh, is it when a crime is done and you know Maybe you can't empathize, but you can sympathize with just with just how awful this is for the victim. Right. It becomes difficult to say what or how or whatever somebody should be punished when you have to live with the knowledge that this person, Logan Mayu, I'm not saying he is, I'm not saying he ever will be, but could turn out to be the best advocate in the world that the world has ever known against these sorts of things and say, look, look at what a dirtbag I was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. mean it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it still might never make the victim be okay. It might Their not. Their life and might never improve no matter what happens. It might not. And I, and I would hope, and I have no idea, but I would hope that before the OHL lifted this guy's suspension, they talked to that person. I, I, I would hope. Yeah. I, I don't know whether they did. Yeah. I, I got, I hope they did. Yeah. I hope they, they at least checked in and said, look, here's what we're thinking of doing. Yeah. How do you feel about this? And that's, and that's exactly correct because at its root, 
it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It, it, what, it doesn't matter what Logan thinks. Yeah. You know, at its root, you have a victim who suffered a very serious trauma uh, at his hands. And that's, you know, that's what the problem is. So it's difficult. I believe in a reformative justice system. I believe that he can be reformed. I also just think that you just, you never know anybody's heart. You know, I don't know, you know, after Jeff Molson's letter, I don't know what Jeff Molson went home and thought to himself. He might be the biggest misogynist in the world. I don't know that. Yeah. All I know is the actions that I see, which some are, you know, better than nothing. I guess mm-hmm. you could say, yeah. you know, but that's, that's the good thing. To that's say about the good them. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. my point is, is that I, I will never know. All I will ever know is, is what I can see with my own eyes. And so I guess my only thought is just, uh, is I hope, you know, I hope Mayu's ready. And I hope that, uh, I, I wish him in the truest sense of the term, I wish him all the best. Right. And I right. wish him to, you know, right. uh, some, sometimes I've done things I'm not proud of never to that extent. That beard is one of them. <laughs> oh, and you burn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. I was very proud of this beard until just now, but uh, okay. What what was that line from um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? I like me, and my wife likes me, and my kids like me. And so you made, you know, whatever, whatever John Candy said. John Candy, by the way, also from our neighborhood. Went to school at right, Neil, Neil McNeil. McNeil. Yeah, went to yeah. Neil McNeil, yeah. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is at Vic Park and Danforth. Right, for for those of you who live in Toronto <laughs> and for you, those of you who aren't from the center of the universe. <laughs> the center of the hockey universe. That's the universe. east end of Toronto. Yeah. You know how many yeah. Torontonians it takes to screw in a light bulb, don't you? <sighs> no. One, and the rest of Canada revolves around them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My dad why used did, to tell that one all the time. Why did the Torontonian cross the road? <laughs> Why? To avoid an acquaintance. <laughs> Doesn't that like sum up Toronto like more than anything else? Anyways, I can neither confirm man, nor go, deny that. Man, did we ever get on it? Did we ever go off the rails quickly? <laughs> yeah. Bringing it all back. And before mm-hmm. we change subjects, uh, I just say, you know, we can never we can never know his heart and we can yeah. debate ad nauseum as to what is what is punishment and what is fair and what is just. And, you know, why does one person drive drunk and they get their license suspended and then the next person drives drunk but happens to kill somebody right, and right. they get put in jail when they in essence, committed the exact same crime. There was just some luck of the draw involved mm-hmm. with the yeah. fact that, you know, why is attempted murder less than murder when it's like- <laughs> When the intent you, is there. You, the yeah, intent was intent. murder. Yeah, yeah. There's just, there's there's so, like this debate, and and I think that what, what makes us so angry about, you know, Mayu is that it's so much deeper and, and yeah. it just- but at the end of the day, if you just look at it as a personal, individual, case-by-case basis, all I can say is I wish him the best. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be interested to see how he, how crowds react to him, um, yeah. you know, in, in, in opposing arenas and how other players react to him. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. Speaking of arenas, <laughs> there are games in NHL arenas. Some of them. Some of them, Yes. Yeah. And there appears to be a taxi squad that will be implemented. Right. 
So uh, my first thought is, um, and I could be getting this wrong, but I think I'm getting this right. According to Elliot Friedman, the Washington Capitals had asked for cap relief mm-hmm. um, for their for their COVID issues. Right. And after that, the Colorado Avalanche, who was having COVID issues at the time, this is weeks later, uh, was given the option as to whether they were to play or not. And they opted to play. The Capitals were PO'd because they weren't given that option. And now it seems that we're going to taxi squads. So I guess my thought and my question to you is, is there a way to make Washington whole on this and and other teams that we don't know of that asked for cap relief in this situation? And what will be the takeaway uh, for this NHL season? Okay, well, first of all, I want to say that we already talked about there was no no statement or anything. Actually, there I believe there's a, a news conference going on right now with Tom Rennie, Scott Smith, and Luke Tardif, uh, the uh, the IHF and the Hockey Canada about uh, about the cancellation of the World Juniors. So, do you want to pause and then uh, pick up after watching it? Uh, I wouldn't mind. All right, yeah. we are okay. on a pause. Okay. Okay, folks, we'll be back after these messages. (laughs) All right, so we're back. Ken and I just got off the press conference about the World Juniors. Ken, your thoughts? Well, the big takeaway for me was that, uh, you know, the IIHF and Hockey Canada and the organizers of of all of these tournaments are are committed to at least giving it a go. Uh, It sounds like in June. Um, that they're going to try and 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 get the world juniors done. They're going to try and get the world under eighteen women's done. And you know there were four other tournaments that were canceled, right? Like they were lower level world championships. Like it was one division one A and one B world men's, and you know some of the lower divisions. And they're, and right. they're actually committing to to try to get those ones played as well. So yeah. I think that's the big takeaway here is that yeah. is that you know there is a level of commitment that that that, you know, that, that, that exists to get these tournaments in. And, and I mean, I talked to Fran Ryder with the Ontario Women's Hockey Association the other day about the under 18 women's that was supposed to be in Sweden and got canceled because of the fact that it conflicted with the Swedish league. If they wanted to move it to later months, you know, they, Fran Ryder basically told me, look, we're ready. We can, we can do this. Mm-hmm. So I would not be the least bit surprised if the Ontario women or the world women's under 18 goes ahead yeah. and is played somewhere in Ontario. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of logistics to work through, a lot of stuff to work through with terms of, in terms of the COVID, you know, variant or the Omicron variant and all those things. But um, at least there's, you know, at least they're not, they're not giving up and it looks like there's, uh, a willingness and a desire and a and a and a motivation to to get these things done a little later in the year. Yeah, which will give us stuff to talk about in June. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, well, hockey this summer is actually fantastic. Yeah, I well, really we're all, enjoyed we're all, it. Yeah, I mean, we're all used to it now, right? Yeah. Um, I think uh, the th- the big takeaway that I had from that press conference was the use of languaging. Uh, the use of language that maybe I jumped jumped the gun a little quickly making assumptions, but what um, what was being said was that the uh, calling it a cancellation 
when you cancel something, people attempt to help with it. And when you postpone something, people make the assumption that everything's okay yeah. and you have yeah. it in hand. Yeah. And so even just what you're talking about, the fact that uh, that the, the Women's Ontario Hockey League uh, has stepped up in this manner is largely in response to the fact that it was a cancellation. Yeah, completely, completely. I mean, they they saw this as as a as an event that needs to be played because it wasn't played last year either. Yeah, and you know, I mean, they're they're you know, when I talked to Fran Ryder about this, and I don't know if people know who Fran Ryder is, but she is a ho- women's hockey icon. I believe she'll be in the Hockey Hall of Fame someday. Really, uh, as a builder, yeah, she's she's built the game like she. You know, I mean, the Ontario Women's Hockey Association, which she runs, basically, you know, started the whole women's world with a tournament in 1987, and then it springboarded there from what we see to what we see now. Yeah. Um. So, like, you know, when she talks, there's some there's some gravitas to it, right? Yeah, like, there's some weight. some some weight to it, right? So, um, I just I just think that you know that that they think that this needs to be played. For the for the, the the age group and for the for the for the players involved, and I mean her her idea was or her feeling was you know we'll do it if someone else wants to do it and it can be done somewhere else that's great we're all on board with that too but you know what we're we're prepared to step up here and make this thing happen yeah yeah and I mean like just are there any are there many places in the world that have as many rinks and like good rinks per capita. As Ontario does? No. No. Like, yeah. I mean, it's got the infrastructure in place. Yeah. You know, I mean, and especially if it's in the summer or or later. Yeah. I mean, you could use, you know, the last time it was here, the under 18 was here is 2016, 2017, something like that. It was in St. Catharines. Yeah. Right? So, like, why would you not be able to use that rink in the summer? I mean, you know, the Niagara Ice Dogs won't be playing there. No, I Um, mean, when I was, uh, I went to the Roger Nelson's hockey camp which was out in Lindsay, Ontario yeah. at the university there. Yeah. And we stayed in the dorms, which were fantastic and played at the rink, which was a fantastic rink. And so if you're looking for a bubble situation and you don't have, you know, universities doing in-class stuff, like, is that not like your perfect situation? Yeah. I mean, you, you can, you can find a way. I mean, hopefully we won't be having to bubble people by then. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. 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 So it's good news. It's, it's not Great news today, but it's it's good news to hear that there's a there's a you know a, there's a there's there's a willingness to yeah to, to kind of get this done yeah and and get it done right yeah so uh, let's finish off with some NHL talk right on we were just getting into that about the taxi squads and mm-hmm. uh, and I was asking you if there's a way that uh, that teams like Washington that were not given cap relief from COVID outbreaks could be made whole and the overall integrity of the league this year? Well, yeah, I mean, I doubt it. (laughs) I mean, they've played those games. They've gone through it. I'm not sure you can put that genie back in the bottle, but I mean, you know, I look at the way the NHL is going right now. We're up to 80 canceled or postponed games, I think. Yeah. With probably more on the way. Um, you know, I mean, can this season, can the 2021-22 season get pulled off, you know, um, and, and you know, without its integrity being compromised? Well, 
I, I would argue that it's already been compromised. Yeah, it's already compromised. Just I mean, how much? Last night's Samuel Montembeau, you know, played against Maxime Legacy. You know, I will uh, not have anything bad said about Samuel Montembeau. He had really? a fantastic night last night. He was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, well, yeah. I mean, with I mean, you're right. Rafael Arvi Pinard, you know, scored his first NHL goal. Like as much as there's feel good storylines there, all kinds of them. Sean Day. Sean Day is a wonderful story. Yeah, he which you wrote about. He was an exceptional player. Yeah. In 2013, I think. I'm yeah. Say 2013, 14. Not so exceptional after that. Yeah. Um. You know, was let go of by the Rangers, drafted by the Rangers, let go, signed with Tampa as a free agent. Yeah. And and basically got into uh, an NHL game because of COVID. Yeah. And the fact that they were so ravaged by it. Yeah. And good for him. That's a wonderful story. But uh, he's probably not playing in the NHL. You know, Raphael Harvey Pinard probably is not playing in the NHL. Like I was going through it last night and and I was just looking at the rosters and and all of the guys that I've never even heard of before. Yeah. Like never even heard of yeah. before. Yeah. And and so you know, you could argue that the that the that the the season's been compromised already. Yeah. Um I get it. I get why they need to play these games. I get why they want to play these games. I get why they have to play these games. Yeah. So I'm, I, again, I'm willing to give them a bit of a pass there, but you know, if the games start getting canceled more and more, we've already got 80 to make up. I just wonder if an 82 game season is going to be in the cards this, this year. I, I, I have no doubt yeah. that the Stanley cup will be awarded and that there should be no asterisks beside it. Yeah. I think if you're good enough to win the Stanley cup and you get through all of that, you win it and you win it on 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 whatever terms that are put in front of you yeah. you deserve it yeah um however i just don't think this season's going to be you know a, a nice and tidy one i think it it's it might get uglier before it gets better yeah by the time the playoffs come again i'm hoping and from what i've been told you know we may have a lot of this in the rearview mirror by then yeah um, so it's not going to be a matter of not being able to play because of that. I just wonder if they're going to run out of runway here with games being postponed and having to reschedule them and, and, you know, they just start to pile up after a while. And I wonder if, if we're going to be able to, to get this thing, see this thing through in the way that the NHL would have envisioned. I mean, they're already canceling games, a lot of games in Canada because you can't have people in the building. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, you're looking at some, you're looking at a lot of work to do. I have, uh, I have a good friend of mine who is a strength and conditioning coach. Um, he, uh, he works with a lot of Toronto FC guys. His name is Asa Tam. He's in Richmond Hill here in Toronto and they've got a clinic works with a lot of NCAA hockey players and just, you know, high level athletes. But the thing that he said to me once that's always stuck out in my mind is he said that hockey is so high impact on the body that if he were to, that ideally you would have two months off of playing hockey for every month that you had have on. Yeah. So yeah. He, his assertion was essentially that the off season already in hockey is a joke. And then we're going to have three shortened off seasons in a row. If like you said, if we, if we run out of runway. Yeah. I mean, what did Sheldon Keefe say? He said something about how like that, the Leafs sort of just got together as a group as a bigger group yesterday. And he said that some of the guys were complaining that it was, they were 
they, they felt worse than they did after the first day of training camp. Right. So, yeah. So that gives you an idea of what even a short layoff can do uh, to a team and to a, to a player's body as he detrains, you know, through that period. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, like, like I said, I'm gonna, I would argue that the season's already been compromised. I mean, yeah. I don't think you're going to find a New York Islanders fan who doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Um, their season got hijacked their season. They're, they're basically down the crapper Yeah. because of this, you know, and, and this was before, a lot of the new protocols came into place and a lot of the, the the heightened sort of awareness came around all of this. You know, they had to play through a lot of that and they lost most of those games. Yeah. Like badly. And they, and they, yeah. and they, and, and now, um, you know, they're left to pick up the pieces and, and to try and play catch up in a season where it's going to be impossible to do so. So like, you know, I mean, the New York Islanders probably would argue a team that has been in the Eastern Con or whatever conference final, whatever it was last year, but yeah. in the final four of the last two years could certainly make the argument that their season got, got just shit canned for a better lack of a better term yeah. uh, by the coronavirus. And, yeah. and so when you put it in that perspective, I, I'm not sure how you can think that the season hasn't been compromised already. Yeah. Um, going on to the other storyline about, uh, like we were talking about, about, you know, players getting their chance in the NHL. Do you think, because I've been reading about the idea that um, that people have been under-evaluated and may stick around. Do you think that that's a possibility? Do you think that there's a lot of, yeah. or a significant amount of players that will stick around after things start to normalize? Not a significant number, because when things normalize, they won't have a place on the roster. Yeah, because the only reason why they're on the roster is they're cheap, and uh, and you know I mean they need them right now, right? Yeah. Once those circumstances change, uh, those guys will go back to where they were playing before, and for the most part. But I mean, you know, you could see a guy, you know, and and maybe it's not even with the team that he plays for. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. he does really well and another team takes notice of him. And then when he goes on waivers, they pick him up or, you know, he might be a group six free agent this summer who's unrestricted because he hasn't played enough games in the NHL and, and, and another team picks him up. So yeah, I do see the opportunity. I mean, when, you know, I mean, when the NFL had replacement players, there were some players who got a career because of that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I do see a possibility of that happening. I don't see it happening on mass. I don't see a bunch of these guys that I've never heard of end up being regulars in the NHL once, you know, once all the dust settles. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, it's interesting what a guy can do. And the other thing is, is that, that I've noticed with minor leaguers, guys that are truly career minor leaguers yeah, who are you know, just not good enough to play in the NHL, but good enough to have a decent pro career either in North America or Europe is they come up and for a week or two, they look like they're great. Yeah. And then, and then they regress to the mean as you uh, guys say, right? Yeah. Pocket protector. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pencil pushing nerd. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they regress to the mean and they become what they are, what they always were, what they always were. 
And you see it with expansion all the time, right? Like these, uh, well, not anymore because good players get picked in expansion drafts now. But when, but prior to the previous expansions, you'd always see these guys going, oh yeah, well, you know, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. I'm going to play for this team and I'm going to prove that I belong in the NHL. And then they pretty much prove that they don't in, in for, in a lot of cases. Yeah. So no, I don't see, I can see maybe one, two or three players maybe getting an opportunity out of this. Maybe not even with the team they're playing with right now. Yeah. Um, but to say that, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be now NHL players. I, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even Carlson, when he first, his first year on the, on the golden Knights, he scored 40 goals and shot right. at like a 40% yeah. shooting percentage where like, one of the tops in the league is is Matthews shooting at a career like 15% or 14%, which is astronomical league average being close to around 8%. Right. So, you know, the, the, those that thought that uh, that Carlson was a always a 40 goal scorer and always would be a 40 goal scorer, maybe he was definitely undervalued in yes. his previous team. Yes. But there was nothing to suggest that he was going to be putting up 40 goals a year every year. Yeah, right. And there's a lot of guys you see like it just was never going to work out there. Yeah. Like it, like I don't know what's going to happen with Louis DeBrusque. Yeah, you know, once he does get inevitably get traded or or moved or whatever Jake. happens, Jake DeBrusque, Louis DeBrusque. <laughs> yeah, Jake. It took DeBrusque, me a second. Yeah, Jake but, DeBrusque. Yeah, I, I mean, once he gets moved or or whatever, he may end up going somewhere and being a a really good player. Yeah, but it just wasn't going to happen in Boston. Yeah. You know, and you see that it just isn't happening because the opportunity's not there or whatever. And they go somewhere else and they, and they turn out okay, but it just was never going to happen in that place. Boston basically needs a cup this year. Yeah. Well, they got to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is that with the core, the way that it is, you know, Boston basically needs a cup this year, maybe next year. Yeah. And they can't wait on somebody to, to sort themselves out. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you want to close off with some wild speculation? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Don't ever say that there's too many teams in the world junior. Don't, don't say ever, that. Don't ever say that. You'll get killed on Twitter. Oh, I didn't say that. I know. I said, I said it. Oh, <laughs> and I've been getting hammered today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look at those Austri- Austrian kids. I almost said Australian kids. What's the difference? <laughs> Austrian kids. They were so happy when they scored last night. And oh, man. <laughs> to me, this tournament, the 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 world junior. Ken, is this your first time getting killed on Twitter? No, <laughs> no, it happens very regularly. <laughs> Come on, yeah. But Twitter's not a real place, right? You know that, right? Like it's not a real place. <laughs> but anyways, my, I'll just talk a bit about this. I'll get on the soapbox here a little bit, please. I think that the world juniors should go back to being an eight team tournament. Yep. Where you place a round robin, each team plays seven games yeah. against everybody. And the first place team at the end gets the gold medal. The second place team gets the silver medal. The third place team gets the bronze medal. Okay. Okay. That's the way it used to be. Yeah. That's the way it used to be. And then they, I think it was in 95, somewhere around there after Red Deer, they changed it to what it is now. Yeah. Where you, you're in a pool and you play these meaningless games for a while and you finish in the top four and then you go to the quarterfinal. Makes for a lot of crappy games. 
But imagine how great the games would be yeah. if Canada had to play all of Sweden, Finland, Czechs, you know, Russians, USA, you know, and then and then you've got your Germanys and Switzerlands or whatever as the other two teams, Slovakia kind of moves in and out of, of yeah. the top six, whatever. I think that would make for a way more exciting tournament, a way more compelling tournament, way better games, way better games. Yeah. And, and, and you'd still have the same number of games. You, you have an eight team tournament where there's seven, 17, you play seven games. That's a total of 28 games. That's how many they play now. You're not losing any games. You're not losing any revenues like to me. And then you end up having, you know, your Austria's, your Belarus's, your Latvia's, your uh, Denmark's and that playing where they are more suited to be playing and then moving up. And, you know, and then moving down and then maybe moving back up because you're still going to have relegation. And these teams, you know, maybe one of those years, maybe a Slovakia and Czechs aren't, maybe the Slovaks and the Czechs are having a down year. And maybe they're the ones that get relegated. And you stay if you're Austria yeah. or Germany or, you know, all of those other countries that seem to move up and down from A to B. So I don't have the solution. I do. I just gave it to you. <laughs> okay. Well, now I have the solution, <laughs> okay. but I didn't have the solution mm-hmm. when I was formulating this thought in my head. But I'll tell you, last night I started the World Junior Game live. And then after the first period, I started a, a staggered start with the Montreal Canadiens game. Right. And let me tell you, after two periods of the World Juniors game, I was I was done with it. Mm-hmm. I, I like mm-hmm. It just... Yeah, okay. That was that was nice when uh when they scored on to make it 11-2. Boneheaded goalie yeah, yeah, mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen in my life as soon as he skated out I thought he's just screwing around now. Like at like at some point yeah. he's just he's he's yep. just like okay, you want an example? A couple mornings ago <laughs> I was playing with some guys Uh-oh. and I thought to myself, I'm going to make a stacked pads. I, you know, it wasn't great, great level hockey. And I thought I'm just going to, I'm going to try to go a little old school and try to stack a few pads and, and see what kind of saves I can make. But that's what you do. And so the fact that he did that in a, it's not technically professional, but you know, a tournament that is the level and prestige yeah. of the world juniors yeah, yeah, yeah. suggests that he's bored. He's bored out of his skull that he, that he made that mistake. I, I've said it. I have uh goaltending students. I commented this on your Twitter in in uh in support yeah. of you yeah <laughs> yeah i have goaltending students i've got one in particular he's 12 he's pretty good he's a double a 12 uh 12 year old and but his dad is obsessed with making a play against 16 year olds and, and it, he's it playing double a not triple a not triple a and wants his kid to play against uh and train with the 16 year old goalies but what winds up happening is that he just winds up having to cheat and do all kinds of stuff in a drill to try to make the save. And, and it, it hurts him. Yeah. And I've, and we finally let him do it because the dad was, was insistent, but I kept on saying to the dad, you don't learn how to box by getting into a ring with prime George Foreman. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like you could have all the fundamentals, but if you're 12 and it's like your first time really in a ring, it doesn't matter where you've got your hands. It doesn't matter your footwork. He's going to catch you and he's going to kill you. Yeah. And you learn nothing. You just got knocked out. See, and to me, and to me, you know, Dave Cameron said it last night. He said, I don't, I don't know that a game like this really helps either team. 
No. You know, and, and to me, you know, I've gotten a lot of blowback from people saying, oh, yeah, well, you grow the game and, and how are these teams supposed to get better? Well, you get better at home. Yeah. It, you know, it starts at home. It starts in the domestic league and the program you have in place. Yeah. Always has, always will. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would argue that Germany hasn't gotten better because they got their asses kicked a bunch of times by Canada and other teams in the world juniors. They got it because they have a really good domestic league that, that, that has a place to play for a lot of ex NHL players, a lot of elite players. And a lot of those guys end up staying and coaching there. Yeah, and then they build it up from the youth levels, and that's where your Leon Dreisaitl's and your Morris Siders and and guys like that are are you know are are coming up mm-hmm. and and playing. You know, you look at a guy like Lucas Casper for Austria. Okay, yeah. their best player without without a doubt will be a first round pick. Well, he's playing hockey and he's playing hockey in Swiss in Sweden. Right. He's playing junior hockey in Sweden. He's not playing it back home. Yeah. So, you, you know, I mean, that's where you get these players and then they rise up and they make your program better. And then you're more successful on the international stage. Exactly. I really don't like, I don't believe it. I, and people are going to disagree, but I just don't, I just don't think it helps countries to get their asses kicked at the world juniors uh, and like, and, and constantly have that happen. I it's, you've got to build it at home. You've got to build, you got to have the infrastructure. You got to have the arenas. You got to throw money at it. You've got to have coaching and that's how you get better. It's not by going to the world juniors once every couple of years and being happy because you scored one goal yeah. or two goals. Yeah. No, no. And it, it, it doesn't make for a good tournament. Yeah. Do you want uh, do you want a quick anecdote to that, uh, to that level? Whatever. I guess so. There was a, <laughs> I, I won't mention the country that they were from, but there was a development program from, uh, from a certain country that is trying to grow their hockey program. Yeah. And they came here to Toronto to, uh, to try with, with, I think they were all 14 or 16, 14 to 16. Anyways, they came with a team that was supposed to be kind of their future Olympic team. Right. And, uh, and a friend of mine that I was playing with in beer league was the skills coach for that team. The the coach that had come over from that country said to him, apparently I'm getting it from this friend. So it's secondhand said to him. uh, So what do you think? Do you think that these guys will have a chance to compete uh, in, you know, the, the U 16s and then the U 18s and so on and so forth. And he said to the guy, I don't think that they have a chance to compete in my beer league. And, uh, and a week later, because they were renting a space at the arena that we were playing at, you know, the whole shebang. A week later, their logo was off the door. <laughs> oh, I think I know what team you're talking about, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, because he told me that, and then the timing lined up, and then a week after he tells me that the logo's off the door, and I'm like, geez, you're not lying? <laughs> I kind of assumed you were just lying. You know, because all guys just lie in change rooms, right? That's right. what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what was the speculation thing oh, you Okay, here give? we go. Wild speculation time. I hope people are still hanging in with us. This is a merit. My ass is killing me right now on this chair. <laughs> this is longer than you think because uh, we, because we're. We, I just uh, have to move for a second here. Okay, there we go. All right, good. I'm the okay. one that's on the camera now anyways. <laughs> okay. So people just saw my reaction to your moving. Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right, last question. With taxi squads, obviously there are going to need to be rush contracts signed for the NHL with COVID ravaging the NHL and AHL. 
do you think we see any veterans all of a sudden join back into the ranks that have never officially retired? And if so, who? Well, um, somebody just did in Tampa. Um, defenseman, come on, come on. I didn't see the, didn't uh, see the news. man, man. He's, he's like taking exercise physiology at the university of Minnesota. Um, Oh, come on. Come on. So okay. Sorry. Well, I got, I got to look it up now. I got to look it up. Um, it, it's, it, it might happen. Yeah. Um, but, but what we might see is, is they'll take, they'll, 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 they'll take a bunch of guys from the American league and these guys will all end up uh, Jason Garrison, oh, Jason okay, yes. Garrison. Yes. <laughs> I remember Jason Garrison. Yeah. He's, he's now, he's now on a PTO with, yeah. with Tampa's AHL team. Right. Right. And like, he hasn't played and he's taken like, apparently he's taking exercise physiology at the university of Minnesota or something. And so like, will that result in him playing in the NHL? No, but it might result in him playing in the American hockey league because the American hockey league is going to be pillaged. Right. right? Like, and, and, and it's not what it's going to, it's not their comprom their integrity has been compromised just like it was last year. Right. Cause last year you had taxi squads. So the best, Conceivably, the best five or six players for every team was gone. We're gone. Yeah. Right. And you had a lot of junior guys playing and that. Yeah. So that may happen again this year. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see too many guys get signed and rushed in or whatever. I think what you'll see is you'll see guys that they already have who are cheap and fall under this under million dollars category. They'll be the ones that take the spots. And then you'll have guys on PTOs like Jason Garrison in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the American league. So you may end up getting guys that, you know, Bobby Ryan's looking for a place to play right now. He was going to play in Malmo, I think, or something. Right. And he's, he was going to play in the Spangler cup and yeah, you know, Devin Dubnik's was going to play in the, and well, he might play in the Olympics now if they still have it, but yeah. So you may see stuff like that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I was, the names I was looking for were like Eric Stahl and Jeremy or Yager and, you know, see if those guys. Isn't Yager still playing? He is still playing in the Czech league, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, why I wondered if uh, he'd be an enticing guy to just bring over for your taxi squad. Wow. Would he play on a taxi squad? I don't think he'd come over and say, yeah, I'll sit on a taxi squad. I'm like the, (laughs) one of the greatest players of all time, but yeah, I'll sit here and practice with you guys. No, I think he'd want to play. And, well, if he thinks he's and got then, a chance and then, to and then it's reach like a scoring not, milestone. Yeah, but I'm not sure the NHL's slow enough to go to accommodate him anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I yeah, no, I don't I I think what you'll see is guys will take this opportunity to, and maybe take another crack at the American League while these other guys are being called up. Yeah. So yeah, be interesting. But anyways, Jason Garrison, I'm glad I remembered him. Man, I was that would that would have been bugging me all night. I can attest that you did not manage to actually look it up on your phone. And I didn't. You, you I remembered didn't. it. Yes. It's great that I'm such a Luddite that I couldn't do that quickly enough. <laughs> and I just had to rely on my own, yeah. you know, wherewithal. Fly by the seat of your pants here. Correct so. a Mundo. Yes. Yep. Anything you want to say before we get out of here? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, Happy New Year, everyone. Yes. Um, I hope you keep coming back. We're trying our best here. We're We're... We're trying to put something together that's uh, that's a, a, a thought-provoking and uh, entertaining podcast. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Go to go to kencampbell.substack.com for uh, for this podcast and for a lot of other stuff. And uh, yeah, we're trying to make a go of it here. So um, yeah, keep listening, please. 
Absolutely. Yeah, you can find uh, Ken's writing, kencampbell at substack.com. Also, this podcast is there. We will eventually have an ad read, but it will be ad-free on the Substack and have ads on, uh, or at least one ad on um, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Uh, sub- uh, rating is very important to us. Subscriptions are important. All the rest of it, comments. We love it. Thank you so much.